0: The Labor of Love is sponsored by Audible.com. Audible has more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio projects. Get a free audiobook of your choice at www.audible.com slash love. Before we start today's podcast, I want to ask you a small favor. Here at Panoply, we're trying to learn more about our podcast listeners. We want you to tell us about the podcasts you enjoy and how often you listen to them. So we created a survey that takes just a couple of minutes, I swear, to complete. If you fill it out, you'll help Panoply to make great podcasts about the things you love and things you didn't even know you loved. To fill out the survey, just go to panoply.fm survey or click the link we've provided in the show notes for this episode. That's panoply.fm survey or click the link in the show notes. Hi, and welcome to The Labor of Love, a podcast about making peace with the people we live with. I'm Lori Leibovitch, editor of RealSimple.com, and today we're going to talk about couples therapy. Who needs it? When do they need it? What to look for when choosing a therapist, and how to get the most out of it. Joining me today is Sherry Amattenstein, a New York-based couples counselor, as well as the author of three relationship books, including The Complete Marriage Counselor, Relationship Saving Advice from America's Top 50-Plus Couples Therapists, and Shannon Lee, founding editor of SomeSayLove.com, a mental health advocate and a veteran of couples therapy herself. Welcome to the show, Sherry and Shannon. Thank you so much. I'm going to start with Sherry and ask you straight up, what should couples expect when they enter their first session with a couple's counselor?
1: I always work hard to make the couple realize that it's not the other one's fault. In a lot of ways, couples therapy also involves individual therapy because helping each person own their share of it and realize what a relationship is, that it's not me versus you but it's kind of us together. And you have to understand yourself before you can really have a successful relationship too. So a lot of it is helping people look at themselves and their stuff as well as looking at the other person. Another big piece is helping them learn how to really hear the other person Because I heard some statistic that couples really hear around 30% of what the other one is saying, which I think is high. I think it's high, too. (laughs) It's very high, because, you know, you're in your head, you're debating your next point, you're, you're all this stuff. So it's really essential for each person to really, even if they think, oh, my God, I've heard what he says a million times already, he's so wrong, and I'm so sick of hearing it, it's really important for person to hear their partner from an empathy point of view instead of a combative one. Even when you feel like you've heard what the other person has said 500 times, you're so sick of hearing it, of course you know what they're talking about, you really may not because you haven't... Heard what they really mean if you're not really listening to it, but you're in your head just debating what you're going to say around it.
0: I think to your point about not hearing each other, I think I've often felt that there's a couple's version of the Snoopy, wah, 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 you know, that noise that <laughs> they always made on the Peanuts cartoons when the adults were talking. Um, I think couples do that to each other too, and and tune each other out because they think they already know what the their partner is going to say.
1: Absolutely.
0: Let's go back a step and ask the question to both of you, when should a couple go to therapy?
2: I love that question because I have experienced therapy from a couple different standpoints. I was in a position where I was in a marriage and we sought counseling after we already had some extensive problems and just had a pattern of bad communication And then on the flip side, I have also participated in premarital counseling with my life partner. And this was uh, before we had any type of huge issues. It was really just mainly because I was in a mental health counseling graduate program and I needed to spend some time on the couch, so to speak. So we went in and, and that was the best way that I thought, you know, I could experience counseling and kind of, you know, get some insight into things I was doing in my own life and, And improve my relationship. So I always tell couples, you know, don't wait until you have a problem. Certainly, if you have some issues in your relationship, counseling is wonderful. It can help you.
0: So I'm glad you brought that up, this idea of premarital counseling. It's sort of something we posted on Real Simple's Facebook page. We asked for our readers' experiences with couples counseling, and someone wrote in, saying, my fiancé and I are currently attending secular premarital counseling. We're not required to by our religion or our officiant. We just want to work on some issues before we walk down the aisle. It has been extremely helpful so far. I was having a lot of anxiety trying to plan a wedding and, more importantly, a marriage, and this step has been crucial in feeling like we can make it work both now and in 50 years. Sherry, do you have people come to you before they get married?
1: I love when they come to me before they get (laughs) married, or at least early on, because that way you can start out with healthier habits instead of have, you know, a lot of dysfunction already bred in, Mm because this way you, you really can learn about what will be important in the marriage and the communication that we were talking about, too. So I think it's a wonderful thing to do, and sometimes people... Feel, oh, well, my God, we're in love, and what does it say if we're going to go to premarital counseling, that there's something wrong, that we're not getting along? And I don't view it as a sign of ill health in a relationship, but as a sign of health.
0: Shannon, what brought you to couples counseling, and do you think it would have been helpful if you had gone earlier?
2: The first time I tried it, and this is with my ex-husband, we had a lot of, you know, communication issues. Um, we were only in the marriage, I would say, for about eight months when I really realized, you know, there are some significant issues. We were at a point where, you know, he, the communication was completely shut down. He had a very demanding job, and so, you know, he basically would devote all of his time to, to work and not, you know, not put any effort towards the marriage. So, you know, we went in, and that the way that experience went is that, you know, during our very first session, he explained to the counselor that divorce was an option for him. So, in that instance, you know, the relationship did not work, and I knew at that point in time it was not going to work because I did not have a willing partner. But um, when I experienced premarital counseling, uh, like I said, it was before there were any significant issues, but I wanted to pick up some communication tools, and that's really what it helped us with. Um, I think we can both credit the length of our relationship and the, the the reason why it's so healthy to our early experiences with premarital counseling.
0: And Sherry, what's your advice for people who are looking for an appropriate couples counselor?
1: I think it's important you first have a consultation, and during the consultation, you're, you're kind of all feeling at each other in a way. Like my consultation is where I'm doing an intake where I'm getting each of their histories and I'm also telling them the way that I work because I want them to know what to expect and we map out some goals. So everybody should be seeing what's going on and hopefully... On the same page.
0: We're going to take a short break when we're back with The Labor of Love. We're going to talk about the most common reasons people end up in couples therapy, how patterns get formed in marriages, and what a marital checkup is. The Labor of Love is sponsored by Audible.com. Audible has more than 180,000 audiobooks. You can download the books and access them on a bunch of different devices on iPhones, Android, Kindle, iPod, or pretty much any other MP3 player. My family loves Audible.com. We listen to it in the car, we choose a story together, and we get into it. Right now, we are obsessed with a series of unfortunate events that's narrated by the great Tim Curry. I highly recommend it if you have kids. The narration is brilliant. Their kids in it are fantastic, and we literally cannot wait to get into the car again for our trips on the weekends so that we can start listening. If you want to listen to the book, Audible has it. With more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word products, you'll find what you're looking for. Get a free audiobook and a 30-day trial today by signing up at www.audible.com/love. That's audible.com/love, and I highly recommend A Series of Unfortunate Events. And we're back with Sherry and Shannon talking about couples therapy. So someone wrote into Real Simple and talked about how she and her husband would do marital checkups every so often where they returned to the same counselor yearly so that they could just check in with her and see how they were doing. That it was so easy to get lost in the swirl of family and obligations and work that they felt that if they had this yearly appointment – they would always have a chance to take the temperature of their marriage. I thought that sounded like a fantastic idea, and I wanted to get your thoughts on it.
1: I like that idea. I think that it's good. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't be also kind of working on your marriage during the year as well. <laughs> Right, <laughs> right. I mean, like, one of the things that I tell couples to do is to kind of have a little check-in conversation with each other, weekly or every mm-hmm. two weeks and not in a combative way but you know you both kind of can maybe write things down and you know say oh, I kind of wanted to talk about this or that or you know just sort of both see where you are and where you're going and to be able to stay on the same page together but I definitely like the idea of, of checking in with the, the counselor too. I think it's helpful I have people come back because it's, it's I always say you have to maintain it's easy right. mm-hmm. kind of in, in the office in the womb so to speak <laughs> but then you know you're going back to your life so right. you have to keep on keeping on and having like a brush up isn't a bad idea
0: What would you recommend to a couple for whom one member of the couple is interested in therapy and thinks it would be really beneficial and the other member of the couple is really, really reluctant and dragging their feet?
2: I can tell you what I did because um, I gave you just an example of, you know, our first kind of nightmarish experience with couples counseling. So I had some encouraging talks with my partner to get him to you know, to experience that again with me. Basically, you have to be prepared either way. You know, you can't force someone to participate in it, but just look at it as a way to improve your relationship and, um, you know, try and convince them to go on one session and then check in and see if that's something that they would want to continue with. But go into it expecting to uh, experience it and be prepared if they will not continue it with you.
0: And, Sherry, if that was the case, would you recommend that the partner that is up for therapy continue either alone or go find an individual therapist so that they feel they at least are being proactive?
1: Oh, I always tell a couple where one partner wants to come and the other one doesn't, even if just one person is coming. And, like, I do individual and I do couples, so but even if one person is coming, as you change you're different, so your partner becomes different, too. So it can be helpful in that respect as well. So you, you, should, you should still go if you feel that you can be helped by it, and it can help you not be as reactive, which will then help your partner not kind of be manipulating you into the same old, same old patterns and things. And what happens a lot of the time, too, is that when the partner sees, oh wow, you know you are kind of acting different here, then they'll they might come along too.
0: You mentioned patterns, and that was an interesting thing when I was scrolling through our Facebook feed and looking at all the answers we got to the question we posed to our to our users. I kept seeing the word patterns, 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 patterns. The people on. RealSimple.com's Facebook page, who were talking about couples counseling, said that the single most helpful thing about it for them was that it helped them to see patterns that they had gotten into as a couple that were sort of quietly destructive. What are some of those patterns?
1: I like that term, quietly destructive. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Uh, Well, one thing that I definitely see a lot is that whole blaming instinct, you know, and that whole needing to be right. And, again, we were talking about the assumptions, too, a lot, the assumptions that you keep making about the other person. Those, And then I see lack of trust a lot and just the whole not being able to compromise. But couples come in all the time, and they'll have a fight right in front of me, which to me is the best thing, because I'll say to them, it's not about where the chair is or, you know, whatever the latest trigger is, but from what I'm seeing and what you've told me, this is where you always go. You're always having these circular fights, and then one of you just keeps screaming, and the other one gets quiet, and that's just what you do. So let's look at that.
0: Shannon, did your premarital counseling, do you think, help you prevent you and your partner from getting into some destructive patterns?
2: Oh, definitely. One of the things that I think is common in a lot of couples, uh, they tend to sweep issues under the rug. It definitely taught us to, like Sherry was saying, to check in with each other and not assume that everything is going okay.
0: Sherry, if you had to name three issues that were the most common issues that brought people to your office, what would those be?
1: Bad communication, dissimilar goals. Probably the third pattern that I see is each person just waiting for the other one to change to fix something instead of realizing that it needs to be a collaborative enterprise together.
0: But what if it's something like addiction, something that is inherently a problem that's plaguing one member of the couple?
1: And that's a that's a very serious one. And, you know, when one person is addicted, it obviously it affects the couple, it affects the family, it affects whoever, you know, is in that family mix. And Something like addiction, I actually, I'm working with a couple and they've been together for 25 years and he is an alcoholic and they separated, but they're still seeing each other, they're still together, just in separate houses now. And he's making some headway now because he wants to change and he's not doing it for her.
0: Sherry, I imagine that when children are involved, it's kind of a different the stakes are higher, um, and as a therapist, I wonder how you approach a marriage or a couple that has children in a way that might be different than a couple that does not.
1: I always tell the couple straight out your your child's needs have to come first. Like there's a couple who I'm seeing right now, and um, they would fight in front of the kid, uh, in front of their their child, and I'm saying no. You just can't do that, you know. If you if you if you need to like fight and yell, you cannot do it when your child is around. You have to really, you know, you have to really put what they need ahead of what your impulses are telling you to do. That's what, because people can use their child as a tool against their other against their partner. They don't really realize that they're doing it, but. They really are, and they also, I see them a lot of the time like talking against their partner to the child, that kind of thing, and that's another thing that I kind of just really laid down the law about, um, and I try to ask them to remember when they were a child and what it was like when they would see their parents fight or be put in these bad situations because it really is like, it's a bad way of putting it, but monkey see, monkey do, where we... We mirror what
0: we experience. Shannon, I just wanted to ask you, in your letter to me, you said that you credited the tools that you learned in your premarital counseling with helping you maintain a healthy relationship. And I just wanted to be clear about what specifically those tools were. I think a lot of people would be interested to know any ways that they can strengthen their marriage through therapy before it even begins.
2: I think for us, and, and one of the things I haven't mentioned is that I'm, we're actually in a, in a racial relationship. So there were a lot of things that we had not considered. So we spent a lot of time in our sessions just covering, you know, our backgrounds and how it was growing up, and some of our cultural differences that could have grown to become a problem, because people always go into any, you know, their life basically um, viewing it from the standpoint of their experiences and their background. So um, I think it really helped us just to kind of get some insight into where each each other was coming from. And um, it really prevented us from assuming that we were on the page about some very important issues. We both had gone through divorce and we had children from the divorce, so we have a blended family. One of the things that our counselor did was actually pulled me aside because I was really rooting for um, he had a teenage son from a previous marriage and he was considering having him come live with us but we were having some communication issues with him and so the counselor pulled me aside and said hey you know you need to kind of let this develop organically and don't be a cheerleader for you know creating any problems um, in the future because you don't know how that's going to turn out You know, one of the things that ends relationships and marriages is the inability to to blend families successfully. So you need to you need to look at that. So one of the things that he taught us was not to take on more than we could handle at one time. And I could see where that could have developed into, you know, a really bad situation. Take on in what way? Mm -hmm. You know, you have the propensity to just, you know, want everything to be perfect you know, you love your partner, you want all of your children to get along, and you want to be under, you know, one roof, and you want this like yesterday, you know, so he really kind of, you know, had us go back and just rationalize all of our decisions, make sure that we were making the best choices for ourselves, and our relationship, and our family as a whole. Shannon, Going to therapy is
0: not easy for a lot of people, and especially marital therapy can seem very overwhelming and intimidating. What's your advice for people who are on the fence or scared about going?
2: I would just urge people to realize that when you're going to see a counselor, they're an authority on mental health, but they're not an authority on your life or your relationship. So go into it with an open mind. There are going to be some suggestions which you might want to take home and implement, and it might work for you. But don't take everything to heart.
0: That's great advice. Thanks, Sherry, and thanks, Shannon, for being here today on The Labor of Love. Thank Thank you for having me. me. Thanks so much for joining me today on The Labor of Love. Our producer today was Tim Einenkel. If you have a domestic quandary or there's a topic you'd like us to cover— please email me at podcast at gmail.com. You can find all of Real Simple's podcasts at itunes.com slash panoply. I'm Lori Leibovitch, and I'll see you next time on The Labor of Love.